Hey, everybody, it's JB here with a bonus episode of It's Me, Dr. Z. She's joined by Beyond the Bookends blogger and literary expert, Kirsten Barrett, as they had the honor of interviewing Carola Lovering, the author of Tell Me Lies, which has become such a great overnight success and hit series on Hulu. They dive deep into a lot of the characters in the book and in the series. They go through the differences between the TV show and the book itself. Plus, they dive deep into the characters of Stephen and Lucy and explore the insidious nature of the narcissistic abuse. Really great conversation. Can't wait for you to hear it. Here we go. Okay, so normally in our friendship, in our reading life, I Your read reading a book. life. <laughs> in my reading life. I read a book and I recognize that there's something off with a character and I immediately give it to you and I'm like, I need you to read this so that you can diagnose this character or what this author is trying to to portray this character personality-wise as, like, having, like, some kind of a personality disorder. And with this book, it was the opposite. It was. You called me, and you were like, you have to read <laughs> Tell Me Lies because it is the best depiction of a narcissist I've ever seen in literature and on a show. So I want to know why that is. Okay. Yeah, this was, Carola, this was hands down the best one of first of all one of my favorite books one of my favorite series but the the way you nailed narcissistic personality disorder i've ne i mean yeah for me to recommend a book to kirsten is like unheard of um so i think the 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 first thing that struck out to me was the way and i'm not so sure like i said there were it was such subtle cues that i think I otherwise wouldn't have noticed at first. It would have been like an accumulation of these little things, but they were so subtle in the beginning. It was the way he spoke about other people with this total disregard for them as a separate human being with their own emotions and their own opinions and values that they literally were just moving parts of his world they were literal objects everything was transactional the details and in, in, in the book at least the details of how he described people and his interactions mm -hmm, with them mm -hmm. was so creepy and I think people may initially look at it as sarcasm but it's 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 not it's a blatant disregard for other people as separate like living breathing opinionated feeling beings um and it i have to tell you it 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 gave me that there's this feeling you get when you work as a psychologist where when you're working with someone and you get this gut feeling almost like it it's like an uncomfortable feeling and you're taught to kind of use that as an indicator of what you're dealing with in the room and i got that vibe immediately from this which kind of is an indicator to me that something personality wise is is off um, or unhealthy, let's say, and um, you just nailed it. I, I and you said the audiobook too. His voice in the audiobook absolutely creeped me out. Yep. His 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 monotone, the way he enunciated his words, um, it it just you nailed it. That's high praise from a doctor that specializes in narcissistic personality disorder. Um. So I have to ask, how did you know so much about this? Did you have like a narcissist in your life or in a friend's life? Or is this all research? Well, 
I was just going to say like, Dr. Z, I really, I really could have used you in my life when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I could have used me in my life. In <laughs> I, um, yes, I did. I mean, Tell Me Lies is a novel. It's fiction. Um, but I did, I did, I did have a Steven. I did. Um, I had kind of this like on off experience with a person that I think was a narcissist and, and just, you know, the ways that, um, in, in retrospect, after I, I did a little bit more research. Um, I mean, I think it was really when I got into therapy myself, um, like I, I had this kind of on and off relation. I don't really want to call it a relationship, but like situationship or whatever with this guy that, just he he strung me along for so many years and he just never like fully would close the door he would always keep it open and like I think that I was in I was not in like a great place with my own mental health at the time I was really young I like I didn't know what I wanted I was just very attracted to like you know this kind of like dark energy for whatever reason like I hadn't I hadn't learned how to how to love myself how to feel like I was deserving of healthy love. And so I was, you know, I, I was also like at fault because I was, I continually put myself in this situation, but I think it wasn't until I was in therapy um, a few years into it that I, I was kind of like describing some of the behaviors of this person in the way that I had been treated. And my therapist was like, you know, you're, it sounds to me like you're dealing with a narcissist and he my therapist had like given me information about like what a narcissist is and what they do and then years later when I was starting to work on the book um I had obviously like always remembered this initial conversation with my therapist and I I started to do more research myself into narcissism and um sociopaths and how like how they're similar but also how they're different and just as I was building this character in Tell Me Lies and creating him um because he is you know inspired by something in my by someone in my life but also his own you know fully formed character that is fictional and so I did do a lot of research on on top of kind of what I had already learned through my own experience and my experience in therapy and all of that together uh, really is, is what became Steven DeMarco in the book. And um, yeah. Does that feel like an exorcism? Like you're getting it all out? Like, is that like healing? I would think it would be healing to like get out all your feelings about this person in this book. It completely healing because, and when I first started writing the book, I didn't have Steven's perspective. I only had Lucy's. And then in another, in a, I forget like how many drafts I'd written, but it was in a later draft that I decided to add in Steven's chapters and Steven's perspective. And the writing process just became like even more cathartic and more mm -hmm. healing because what I was doing was I was really like imagining what 
a man like Steven would be thinking and how he would be justifying his actions to himself and to other people. And I was really just kind of like putting myself in the head of the, of a person that had treated me like this and like, what would have, what would they have been thinking? Mm -hmm. And I, I, of course, I don't know if I got it exactly right, but like, that's kind of what I was trying to do. (laughs) You you did. I was going to say, you know, it's, it's more than just validating I would imagine but also one of the the biggest things when when you're dealing with a narcissist in any type of relationship is gaining eventually gaining the understanding that it had literally nothing to do with you like you know you're technically in their eyes a replaceable object that serves a purpose for any given point in time but taking the perspective of Stephen's you know, his, his looking at it through his eye, his green eyes and his world, <laughs> green, eyes. <laughs> his green eyes and his world, um, I would imagine would help that objectivity even more to realize that it literally had nothing to do with the with the actual person themselves that they're interacting with, that it could have been anybody. Completely. And I think that that's something I had to learn. I mean, for so long, I I kind of experienced these feelings of like shame and worthlessness and like it was somehow my fault and like I wasn't deserving of something better. Um, But absolutely, I mean, through this process, you do real, like I realized that it could happen to anyone. Um, Anyone can kind of become this pawn. And especially when you're, I mean, I I don't want to say just when you're younger, but I think when you're younger, and you haven't really had much experience with relationships and you don't really know what love is and what it's supposed to feel like. It's easy to mistake these feelings of kind of excitement and newness and that rush of kind of adrenaline that you're given by a person like this for deeper feelings of love. And, and so yeah, I was just very young and impressionable and I, but it, it took me a long time to stop feeling ashamed, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's such a, it's such a, the shame and the, the, the guilt and all of that. It's such a, it's such a common emotion that's manifested on purpose. It's manufactured yeah. on purpose to keep you quiet, to keep you in, you know, connected, to keep you you know, in that, that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And also after I wrote the book, um, what was really validating was hearing from so many other people. I mean, it was mostly women, but, but other readers um, who really identified themselves in Lucy's situation. And, you know, they would write me and still do and would write me messages saying, you know, like, I have been in this exact situation. It was so healing to read this. And that to me like was surprising because I hadn't realized, I I guess I hadn't realized that it was so common. You know, to me for so long, I felt like there was something wrong with me and this was such a kind of like random, unusual thing. But I, I think that, you know, it's, it's much more common than I realized. And there's a spectrum too. I mean, I think that most people have experienced some situation, a situation that's like this to some 
degree. Like even if it wasn't, you know, a years long thing, this is, a, this is familiar to, to many people. And, and that's been really validating, you know, through the book and, and now the show too. It's interesting because I feel like I've learned so much about the red flags and the signs of a narcissist. So the second he starts talking in this book and he talks about how he's staring at her for too long and he knew and he that get creeped her to you try. out. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like I immediately knew what he was from that moment. And it was an interesting narrative choice because if you had been through this before, you if you knew about narcissists, you knew from the second chapter that you were going to be dealing with this kind of a person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I have a, a, a separate question for you, but why did you decide to put his voice in so early on and like give up the ghost a little bit? I just, I thought that it would give a new kind of deeper dimension to the novel um, I loved, I love reading through the eyes of, of a man, like as a woman, I just think it's really interesting. I, I remember that I read this book a couple of years before I started writing Tell Me Lies. It's called The Love Affairs of Nathaniel P by Adele Waldman. Um, it's so good. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. It's written by a woman and it's about she writes from the first person so she's writing like in the eyes of this guy he's in his 30s and lives in brooklyn and he's not a narcissist he's not like steven but he is just kind of a womanizer it's been a it's been a while since i've read it i really want to reread it but she does this author does such an amazing job of going into like the brain and mindset of kind of like just this player, this guy who's playing a bunch of different women and like what his thought processes are. And I thought that was so fascinating. And I also, oh, also You by Carolyn Kepnes, where she goes into the eyes of um, mm -hmm. of a man who, who definitely is a sociopath, um, probably. And I and had those two books kind of, killer, so that means is that the show? Yeah. yeah. Like, is that the right. show? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. one where he's a serial killer. He is a yeah, he's, he's a sociopath. You're right. He is a yeah. serial killer. So that would make him a sociopath. Um, he's I forgot. Toxic. Yeah. <laughs> Accident. Um, yeah. And so those, I had those two books kind of were top of mind. And I thought, you know, I want to do something similar. Like I want to, I think it would be really interesting for readers to get this POV from Steven and like hear his thoughts too and hear like how these two people in this relationship are viewing, you know, the same relationship, but so differently. Um, I remember at the time I was also watching, I don't know if you guys watched that show, The Affair oh, yeah. on, yeah, oh, I'm sure that, you could, that, that was, that was, yeah, that's where we got my daughter's name from. <laughs> Whitney. Really? What's your daughter's name? Whitney. Wh who was Whitney in the Whitney show? It was his daughter. Oh, okay. That's the a great name. One. Yeah, yeah. So your name? Um, after no, that. I mean, no, wow. no. It's the, just the Jane. name. No, no, no. In my defense, <laughs> I I heard the name Whitney. I'm like, I haven't heard that name in so long, and it went with Grant. Okay. Like Whitney and Grant and Blair. Like they mm -hmm. just, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 
That's a good name. There's a character See? in my book that came out this summer with the name Whitney. See, it's a good name. Alone? <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay. I yeah, I love anyway. I like I loved that show, and I what I loved about that show was how it showed the same situation happening, yes. but from it was really focused on perspective and how the same situation looks so different depending on whose eyes you're seeing it from. And That's I wanted so to do that in Tell Me Lies. Yeah, yeah. so good. Um, I just think that perspective lends itself to a lot in fiction and is a really interesting reading experience. Um, and so I just, I felt like I would be able to to kind of take the book to another level if I had Steven's POVs in there. If his POV hadn't been in there, at what point in the book, mm -hmm. from a psychologist's perspective, would we have known that there was something off with him? Because we knew right away, no. right? But Lucy didn't. Lucy didn't. I'm going to say it's... It was the way he spoke to her at the party that they were at that first time and the backhanded compliments that he was giving her. And then when she would get annoyed, not annoyed, but when she would kind of give the response to him, the supply to him that he wanted, he would gaslight her and make it like, you know, kind of like, you know, over, you know, overreacting much or, you know, whatever it was that he said, but it was, he'd set the stage for her to be offended, but then kind of give her a little bit of shit for, for being offended. And I think that that's when, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty early, but that that's, I think that's when I would have at least known that he's going to be difficult. Okay. And then I think that plus the culmination of just the way he, the way he spoke to her when he asked her out on a date and just the, the, the arrogance and the entitlement and the, the, the lack of respect for anything she had to say, even though it was so subtle. Um, and his, you know, usually if you're, if you're asking someone out on a date and they're kind of wishy-washy about it, which she was because she sensed that something was off, um, they're still like, okay, well, you know, maybe next time, maybe another time, you know, the, he was just kind of, okay, bye. You know, it, it was just so off-putting. Yeah. And so I just think the way he spoke to her very early on was very telling for me. Okay. Whereas I think maybe maybe people yeah. thought it was sarcasm or he's just like kind of an ass, but he's being funny, like a dark, like a dark sarcasm. Yeah. It wasn't a dark sarcasm because that would be about him and, and himself. He was deliberately giving her digs and gaslighting her. Yes, totally. And there's something so interesting about that, like this that scene and moment where he asks her out on the first mm -hmm. date where and they this totally translated to the show too which I love to see but like he comes on so strong mm -hmm. and with the first date thing and then when she's sort of wishy-washy checks out his gaslighting I think is kind of like he he just acts like he doesn't really care whether or not right. she says yes. He's like, okay, exactly. well, yeah, that's fine. Like, yep. and, and then that kind of, I think makes her more intrigued because she's like, oh, well he doesn't like, 
what? Like it's kind of like this hot attitude right off the bat that draws her in. It's very abnormal. It's a very abnormal dialogue, right? Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't flow properly. It's it's off. And I I think you exactly like you said. You know, the fact that he cut her off. I don't think it was like he was okay. I'm cool with this because there's no way he's cool with that. It was I'm no. going to manipulate the shit out of the situation and make her feel like crap and then wonder and then push. I mean, he knew exactly what he was. That's when people say, do they know what they're doing? Yes, they, they do. Yes. Absolutely know what yes. They're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like make her wonder if she made a mistake by saying no. And maybe she should have like accepted my offer right away. And then she's doubting herself. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it's all manipulative, even though, and that's, I mean, it's so interesting and, validating to me, obviously, to hear you as, as you know, a, a specialist in, in narcissism to, to say that you saw these signs in such subtle ways. Um, that's, it's really fascinating yeah. for me to hear. The way you wrote it was like brilliant. I mean, really, like just, I was floored. <laughs> I've never read anything yeah. like that. Where they, yeah. Did you, I'm curious, did you read the book first or watch the show first? I watched the show first. I read the book first. Okay. Always. She always reads the book. I watched the show and then we swapped. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think, I don't know how it would have been different if I had done the opposite. I'm not sure. I don't know, but we had like a full, like a three hour conversation earlier in the week where we were talking about like the differences between the book. Mm-hmm. Like, why did they make this one? Mm-hmm. We're, we'll get into that mm-hmm. in a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. It's the show, man. It was weird to see him like come to life. Yeah, that's why. Too, I, yeah, that you know? I like, don't know. I wonder what weird. I would have pr- would have imagined. I yeah. didn't like it. I didn't because I like already knew who he was. Yeah, and so like the first time he walked on screen, I was like, Ugh. yeah, you know, like I, because it. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it, which is funny because, in the book, I knew what he was too, right away. So they act. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I just. Oh, he gave me like the willies the second he walked in. It's not what you, like you're saying, Kirsten, it wasn't what you expected. No, no. I think think my reaction wasn't what I was expecting when I watched the show because I knew already. So, and I was watching like she hated, she hated him from the very beginning, whereas he knew your husband probably knew nothing about it. Knew nothing. And so his reaction and I wouldn't tell him anything the whole time. So that was like very interesting to watch it with someone who had no idea what was going on. Corey watched it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Riveted. Wow. Yeah. And he doesn't read. So that's as close as. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to circle back to Stephen and, and Lucy and why he asked her out in the first place when he already had Diane. Like, why? Why did he want to juggle these people? Like, why? Why? Why ask out somebody when you're already dating somebody else? Do you want me to answer that? I kind of want you both to do it. Okay. From a plot Carol, standpoint, yeah. why did you want him juggling two people? Um, well, that was something that like I had experienced in college was this, you know, relationship or what have you with a person who like did have a girlfriend, but like wanted to kind of lead me on anyway and like ask me out anyway and that I think that felt kind of real to me in general in college like just this the idea that guys 
are sometimes like juggling more than one girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that probably in some cases it's just like guys being immature and like wanting to feel kind of macho and be like, Oh yeah, I can get whoever I want. But I think in Steven's case, um, you know, for his character development and, and for the plot, like he feels entitled mm. to whatever he wants and he feels like you know like Diana is his long-term girlfriend and she's like serving a purpose in his life but then also there's this freshman who he thinks is like hot and whatever and he wants to like pursue her because he can and so that's kind of how I saw it is he can he just sort of he's just sort of feels like the world is his for the taking and he can do whatever he wants. Um, And because I think that that's real for a lot of people, especially. They're entitled to have multiple partners. You're both using the same word. Oh yeah. It's entitled. I mean, I, I don't like making general generalizations, but with this I'm, I'm going to, um, narcissists have multiple partners not because they're not look I'm, I don't want to say this without sounding hard it's not like he had an affair he, narcissists are they go outside relationships because they can they are entitled to it they feel they are um they only are as good as the supply that they're getting. And so if you think about like a a car and you're filling up the gas, right? Eventually that gas pump is going to get low and then your car won't operate. So you need to find another one and another one and another one until they fill the original one back up again. And then you can go back to that one and that one. So that's, that's why everyone's kind of viewed as an object. And so they will lose supply they will lose whether it's interest or whatever it is and they will have to go to other people which is why there's a lot of substance abuse also in arson because it kind of fills that void but there'll always have people waiting in the wings always mm-hmm. you said it's not an affair but he did have an affair it's right not, well so i but like he I, didn't now that you're saying it so i never I, viewed it while reading it as him having an affair. i don't look at what narcissists do necessarily as like the typical definition of an affair you, you typically with it's it's there's a there's you know, somebody's unhappy in the relationship or they're whatever and they 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 go outside to have their those particular needs met or they're just not in love anymore and they go else whatever the case may be steven's not capable of ha- it's almost like steven's not capable of having an affair because his feelings aren't even there in the first place he's not going elsewhere because he's not unhappy because he's unhappy he's going elsewhere because there's a nothingness and so he just gets filled from all these other people Mm. if that makes sense. yes it does but i want to know why did the women stay with him then well narcissists are extremely good at manipulating people from the very beginning like you saw with lucy the way he spoke to her from the very beginning and so in the beginning it's that love bombing we talk about, right? Like, I love you. I've never felt like this before. The sex is amazing. And, and it's just so intense. And it's like a tidal wave. And then once, and then, and you feel like you can connect with them. You can tell them your vulnerability. She, she's talking about her dad, at least in the, in the series. She was talking about her dad on like 
the first time they were together, which is right. really difficult, right? And they suck you in and they make you feel like you can trust them because you have these shared experiences when like you probably don't, but they just kind of say it to get you to trust them. You tell your vulnerabilities, which they store away for later to hold against you, but they really do a good job of sucking you in. And so then when things shift, right, they say like when the mask falls off, when they, when they're that other side of them comes out and they gaslight the person and they manipulate them into thinking it's their fault or that this change in the relationship is due to something lacking in them. They, the other person constantly tries to get them back to this love bombing stage, which they will give, but only in tiny doses. Yes. So mm -hmm. it's like a dopamine. It's like, it's this, it's, it's like a drug addiction model. And so it is, it's like an addiction. There. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They keep hanging in there cause they want that dopamine fix and they get it, but then it goes back to abusive and each time it gets worse and worse and worse. So that's why when people say, why can't they just leave? Well, because they're so broken down they're so stripped away of their sense of self that it doesn't even occur to them that they're necessarily even being abused. Right. And they believe they can't yeah. function without this person. They'll die. I mean, she, they, she even said it in the book, like when that last break, when they were at the bar and she, and he said like out of left field two weeks later, like this isn't going to work anymore. She said, yeah. my life is going to kill me. That's how yes. I do think in retrospect, like it really is, it's like an addiction. It's like you feel you need that, that dopamine hit, like that addiction, like keeps you coming back for more. And it's just, I totally think what you said, Dr. Z about them, like the love bombing in the beginning and just the way that they come at you, like, and it, everything feels so intense. Yeah. I think Lucy, like, you know, with Steven, like everything felt so intense and she had never experienced anything like that. Like her boyfriend yeah. in high school was just sort of boring and like, didn't excite her. And so, and but also I don't even she, think you need, I don't even think you need a boring boyfriend. That's what I, like, I don't even think that's a prerequisite. I think love bombing is so, it's so intense that even if you had healthy relationships before that you were involved, it still just knocks you off your feet. If you don't know what to expect and because it's so intense when it goes to shit, you automatically assume it has something to do with you because how could this person who gave so much so quickly just all of a sudden stop? You must have done something because this isn't them. They were so wonderful. But the problem is that was never them. That was an act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and you show that act. And yeah. That creeped me out yep. when she confides in him about yep. her mom and the affair. And he his then yep. monologue is like. I don't even know what she said, but I just, I it, just told her something to make her happy. Oh, I was like, Oh, uh -huh. like, yeah. Oh, you are such a scumbag. Yeah. Oh, like, and he used it. Oh God. I yeah. can't. He, he used it against that her. That was and it so well even, done. He that had no, so well, there's done. no, well, that's the lack of empathy. And that's what you conveyed so well was that lack of empathy. I don't know how you did it, but like, yes, you really just nailed it. You know, what's well, I have a question for, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to ask because on the subject of lack of empathy, like I also have Stephen, like I also tried to portray Stephen as on like one end of the spectrum of being a sociopath, like obviously not a serial killer, but one end of the spectrum in that he lacks this empathy and moves through the world in this really calculated cold manner and just doesn't care about the way that he treats other people, would you like, would you as a specialist 
Dr. Z say that you also thought he was a sociopath or just a narcissist? A narcissist. Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because that was on my list. Was it on your mm-hmm. list? Okay. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, exactly what you just listed, those criteria of not having empathy, not caring if you hurt other people, um, as long as you get what you need, is, is the hallmark of a narcissist, that manipulation um, that you know, kind of presenting outwardly as if you're this upstanding citizen in a way, but but really behind closed doors, you you know, people describe them as like you're a monster to people, you know. And so the calculation and the manipulation that he does, um, I think is what overlaps with a sociopath, right? They both lack empathy. They're both extremely calculating and very manipulative. Some of the key differences between someone with antisocial personality disorder and and narcissistic personality disorders. They're both in the same cluster, B, of personality disorders. Um, and so they overlap. The key differences is that typically, I'm making a generalization, but typically somebody who is sociopathic or antisocial personality disorder tends to be more impulsive. Um, Steven's extremely calculating. Not that sociopaths aren't, they are, but they tend to be more impulsive. The other thing too is if you look at what I call the function of their behavior, why they do what they do, Narcissists will hurt whoever the hell they need to. They were in the way. They're like kind of like a casualty almost of, of their grandmaster plan, which is like, I need to get what I need. And whoever I step on and hurt to get there, so be it. That's not my problem. They were in the way. They can deal with it. Not my fault. No accountability. No nothing. Whereas with a sociopath... They get joy, not that he didn't get joy and pleasure out of messing with them, but he got something else from it too, which was his kind of ability to navigate this network that he had. Whereas with a sociopath, they get joy in causing physical harm. Like it gives them a rush. So it's not so much about getting supply, like getting supply from these complex relationships and manipulating at this extent. It's more of they get pleasure and joy from hurting others like physically they get like an excitement from it like physically hurting them yeah physically hurting them um whereas a narcissist it's it's more on that like uh, like creepy emotional kind of you know but then again uh, totally well not off topic but like take a scott peterson for example right so he clearly is is a narcissist right manipulated lacy manipulated all of this had the girlfriend and all that but he is also extremely sociopathic in that, you know, he, he took someone's life with zero empathy and, you know, because it got in the way of what he needed. Now, like, that's still a narcissist, but he actually murdered somebody. So, like, it, you right. know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like right. severity and the extent of it. Yes, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. I want to shift over to Lucy for a second because I, even with his internal dialogue, I found her to be a morally gray character. I know you did. And I was thinking about the scene with like the dog where they're going to put down her family dog and she won't go home to put down this like beloved family dog because she's spending time with Steven. Mm -hmm. And even when she's in therapy and she's talking about like, she throws her mom's jewelry over the back and she doesn't feel bad about it. And she talks about like, maybe I'm a bad person. I'm like, I kind of feel like you might be a bad person. Are you a bad person? Did you intend for her to be, or did you, 
Did you intend for her to be morally gray? And do you think that she was a bad person or do you think she was just like manipulated into being a bad person? I did not intend for her to be a bad person. I intended for her to See. be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I intended. I mean, she's a broken person. You know, she's a broken person, and she's. <laughs> um, you know, and then the yeah, the jewelry thing, that was really bad. Um, that was, I think that that was that was supposed to show more like Lucy's anger towards her mom and, and just how angry and hurt, you know, she feels by her mom's betrayal. And, and that, and that's kind of a, a result of that. I mean, I think that the part where she doesn't go home at the end when, when her dog is dying is so, yeah, is like so painful to kind of, to, reread now, but I, I can totally relate to that where, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're just putting this person who doesn't deserve you and is treating you terribly. And, but you're just so addicted to them. And like, all you want to do is prioritize them. And, and if, if you spend time with them and like that will take the place of everything. So that will take the place of, you know, even the, uh, the sacredness of like going home to say goodbye to your family dog. And that's something that I felt like I could relate to when I was writing the book. Um, you know, that which trip, is that killed me. That was like yeah. going, yeah. not going to Paris. I was like screaming. I was screaming at the book. Like, how could you not go on this trip? You were so hard to go. Elsie, Elsie from the Hills when I she doesn't know. go to Paris to be with the guy. Oh God. You're just, okay. Well, I was, Oh, I don't her then. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Please tell me I'm not alone in, I, I don't, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not like a big reality TV person, although I did watch Laguna Beach, so I know Elsie. Okay. All right. Well, it was similar. I was screaming. <laughs> but similar. I was like, I can't be in this mindset. I don't understand why you are making these decisions. Like, I was yes. so angry. So I think it's, it's exactly I think, that. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. they're addicted, but also they have there's two things. One is they've been convinced over a significant period of time and manipulated into thinking that if they're not with them, if they're not physically present with them, they risk losing them or they'll cheat on them or they'll go to somebody. I mean, there's also that fear that they, they, they're scared if they literally disconnect from them, they don't exist anymore. It like narcissists really shake that object permanence, you know, where you, mm -hmm. know, you have a you know baby and you put something, you leave, you think they've gone forever. It's, it's almost like that. Um, so they don't want to leave. Yes, because they prioritize them. And yes, because they're petrified of what will happen. Will they lose them if they go home to see their family dog? The part that somebody who is in an abusive, narcissistic relationship doesn't, they lose the capability, they lose the capacity to see the alternative side, which is what kind of person who loves you doesn't say to you, like, Lucy, go home. It's your, you know, like, and really right, push you to right. do that. Like, it's your dog. Like, oh my God, go home. What do you need? How can I help you? That's the lack of empathy. And that's the manipulation. Well, shit, if this person who loves me isn't pushing me to go home and do this or go to Paris or go where, then like, then, and then it must be wrong of me to do. And yeah. also with narcissists and, and even just friends that I have that have, you know, ex-narcissist spouses, if you do something that signifies any type of autonomy, 
even something like going home to see your family dog. Anything that separates you from the narcissist that they have no control over, you will get punished as a result of that split. Even if it's seeing a family dog, even if it's going to somebody's house or whatever, buying a car that they want you to get the black one, you get the white one. I mean, it's so ridiculous. But anytime you go against them, there's this risk of, of punishment, which can look like narcissistic rage, silent treatment for three weeks, um, you know, kissing somebody like in the book, kissing somebody right in front of you when you just had sex with them two hours before. I mean, there's all these ways that they punish you um, for doing something that doesn't involve them if they don't they, if they can't access your emotions. So now what he did was now she's upset about her dog and he kind of infiltrated that experience for her. By now, when she thinks about it, she's going to feel crappy about herself. So they figure out ways to intervene to control your emotions about events that don't concern them. Fascinating. Yeah. And something that comes to mind too, which is actually from the show, but um, is that moment with, and this does not involve Lucy, but the moment with Steven's Steven and his mom, when she punishes him on the phones, you know, saying yes. like, uh, okay, well, I'm not going to pay your tuition exactly, or I'm not going to pay for you to live in the dorms. And, and that's just, I just bring that up to say that I, yeah, that's a great example of like the manipulation, the manipulation and the punishment and yep. just how, how that comes you, in. How did you feel about them changing um, her character for the, the mom for the show? Because she was bipolar and deceased in the book, and now she's like a narcissist and present in the show. She, no, she wasn't. She wasn't deceased in the book. Oh, she was. She was no. She, she was. Absent. She's now absent. Now, like absent. even sometimes I get mixed up because I think about the show <laughs> in the book. I'm like, wait, what's the, what happened? Um, she was just they were kind of estranged from her in the book. She was bipolar and in the book, the, his dad was kind of weak. And I think that's kind of where Steven, um, Steven, like in the book, doesn't want to be like his dad. So he's kind of the opposite. I thought what they did in the show worked really well. I thought it was smart. Um, you know, his narcissistic mom is such a, Jeez. creepy character oh my it really it was really I'm yeah I'm sure that was really interesting for you to see but it it really um illustrated like where Steven learned that behavior so I think that that worked really well um in terms of just like making I, I think that in the show and I've talked to Megan the creator about this like they wanted to make Steven a bit more likable than in the book mm -hmm. and so I think that showing his mom in that way you know it it, it gives you a little context. bit of yeah it gives you context and makes you not that you sympathize with him necessarily but like it kind of makes you think okay well that that explains why he or where he learned his own narcissistic behavior can I just say, I need to talk about something. I need to get it off my chest, but I was enraged while watching the show at how they dumbed down Lucy. Like it made me upset when they show that she's failing her classes and Diana's getting like the, the grade above Steven because in the book, he's juggling two equally 
as accomplished women. And in the show, it felt like it gave him an out for like, okay, well, I am going to dump her because she's a train wreck and Diana's like this rock star rising talent and I should be like aligning myself with her instead of Lucy when that was not the book's intention. I don't think because because in the book. Yeah, yeah, he's he's. Do you think it was because you had access to the internal thought process and so on screen it wouldn't have been as glaring? I don't know. I'm 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 curious to know how you felt about it because I really like she was like the top of her class and and she was like this accomplished person. And in the show, they just they dulled her light. I didn't like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I think that because in the book, Diana was not kind of the straight A go getter that she is in the Mm -hmm. show. I think Mm -hmm. that um, I think that I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I haven't asked Megan specifically, but I think that that in the show, Diana is like that's kind of Steven's pull to Diana is that she is this really smart, ambitious um, person who's sort of a like a link for him into that world, mm-hmm. and you know that that's kind of why he's that's his use of her is like, he's going to, he can use her to get the internship that he wants and just to sort of like access that part of his ambition. Um, And I think, I think they just really wanted to illustrate that in the show and and show like, this is, this is why he needs Diana. This is why he can't let go of Diana. And then Lucy, like, yeah, maybe they do have, some sort of connection but like she's the polar opposite of diana whereas like she's never gonna allow him to like be ambitious and i think that they really showed that during that last conversation between steven and diana in the finale when they're sitting upstairs at the party and she's like you know what are you doing steven like this girl like just wants to chase you around all summer and that was i mean manipulative i was gonna say in itself used what it used the the self the stripping of her self-concept and core self and self-esteem that Stephen had kind of facilitated with her and then it was used against her as now she's this weak person but she she wasn't she was the victim of narcissistic abuse that that's what happens that's totally and looks like yeah totally and I think that I don't think Lucy necessarily was supposed to be like, because she wasn't failing her classes. I mean, I think she was getting like B's, right? And then no, they, she, she but, gets a D. She's like, oh yeah, I'm getting a D in this failing. class. I mean, <laughs> a D is great. <laughs> okay, but like, okay, but like, let me. <laughs> I mean, well. wait, but I have a question. Do you think? Do you think that you were, which is probably exactly what they wanted to happen. Do you think you were misperceiving the the impact and consequences of narcissistic abuse with them making her look less than Diana? I think they were doing a disservice to Lucy because How? it made her 
I guess my question is, how would you want her to be? I wanted her in to the be a strong person. No, well, like that that had good grades. That right, that but was you popular, can't. That was dressed, but that's how she was in the book. And then it was like he was attracted to her, and then he dumped somebody that was that accomplished, like that. And to me, I was like, that's how they're crazy like that. Like he had no reason to do what he did to Lucy in the book. And he just like did it because it was like on a whim. And I See, felt I like in the so story that he like, they were kind of, he like, they gave him excuses to treat her the way that he treated her. And I got mad about that. See, and I look at it as she ends it up transforming into that person as a result of his abuse. Interesting. In the, in the book or the show? In the show. Yeah. Well, I think she's supposed, like, maybe she wasn't always getting straight A's in the show, but in the beginning of the show, she's much more put together and, you know, she's much more sure of herself. And when she first meets, when she first meets Steven, she's like, who is this guy? And then you sort of slowly watch him like chip away at her. I think. Um, Was there any part of the show that you thought was not um, Dr. Z that was not accurate to a narcissist that was different from the book? I thought the only, yeah, the, the Macy's, the car accident scene. I think what, what felt a tiny bit off to me, but I understand why they, why they did it was to give him some sort of, like you said, like a little bit of humanization, humanization was, was when he, cried the way he did about her dying in the car crash because a narcissist would get that way because they're fearful of getting caught or they're even if it was an accident or they're fearful of their reputation or they're fearful of the outcome but not crying because they feel love and loss and I think what happened in the in the in the show a tiny bit which again I don't necessarily think someone's gonna ever, that's gonna appear totally normal someone died you're crying like you know but I think because I I I maybe because I know about it so much that I don't think that crying for that reason would have happened crying like may have happened like crying, for another like, reason I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah, I'm sorry yeah like I think he was sorry that he just potentially fucked his life up I don't think he was able to put himself in her shoes and realize what just happened and how her life was cut short and how it was tragic for her and her family like that was not there I liked the book version better of how she died yeah I don't know why, I don't yeah. know why they changed that I thought I don't that either. was like I know. excellent yeah Wait, are you talking about like how she was not from school or, or how the actual reason, the actual reason that she crashed, that they crashed. I thought it was better in the book. Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought it was like better and like, because, and Kristen, Kirsten, Kristen, Kristen, Kirsten actually told me that was illegal. I didn't know. Is that illegal? (laughs) Definitely illegal. Definitely (laughs) illegal. 100% illegal. (laughs) Do you know what? I, I didn't, I didn't know it was illegal. I didn't know it was illegal either. Right? It is. No, I, I actually had a conversation with my husband because he does criminal defense work. And I was like, well, <laughs> in the book, in the book, this is how he dies. And and neither of them were drinking. And he was like, well. For those of you wondering what he, happened, oh, yeah, Macy was, was performing oral sex on Stephen when they crashed the car. <laughs> right. In his moment of pleasure. Yeah, in his moment. His, <laughs> his eyes yeah. off the road and they crash into a tree. And my husband was like, that, it's they changed it in the show 
because he would have gone to jail for manslaughter because he was driving drunk. And so they made it more of a consequence. What, but it. what I liked about the other one is, is because he wouldn't have gotten in trouble as much. And so he still and he still put her in the driver's seat and walked away. Like, mm-hmm. I'm done. Right. There was like, like no, you. I knew yeah. in the he was like in the show. He couldn't have done it without getting in trouble. He couldn't have called the police because he would have been that would be the end of his legal career because he totally. killed yes. someone drunk driving. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It all is how it affects him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And he was drinking. He was drinking in the book. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, maybe he not. Was drinking. He was drinking, but but not. But but they still. He didn't cry. I don't know. It, I it, like it was it was better. it was the book version was I, 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 I agree. But I still think his lack of accountability and empathy was extremely apparent. In terms of it, just more so in the book, I think in the show, I think they went like humanize him a little bit more with the crying, but still him walking away, not doing anything about it and lying about it still shows that lack of empathy and accountability. I mean, she had a family. Like she, right. Yeah, you know what I mean, so anyway, there is a moment in the book when he does cry at the very end. Um, when he's like, he's walking, he's just visited his mom in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then he's like taking the subway down to his exam. Um, and he like has kind of this breakthrough moment where he's thinking about Macy and thinking about what he did. And it's, and he does, he feels like tears on his face and he's like, what? you know, my face is wet, like what's happening. And I, to me like that, and maybe this isn't, maybe like now in retrospect, this is inaccurate, but to me, that was supposed to be like, not because he's feeling remorseful, but like there, it was this moment of kind of breakthrough emotion. Is that possible? Like, does that, so if that's, it ha- if, it, if, if there is a breakthrough stress, emotion, it's, it's not, identified as that it would be exactly said like my face is wet like it's it's so disconnected and anytime a narcissist feels that that fragileness they immediately go into you know narcissist mode to cover that up because they will never expose that so even if there was this moment momentary tears it it wouldn't have gone any further than than yeah Um, that's and that's it doesn't you know that it doesn't go any further than that it's just like a moment and he's like my face is wet yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. But then agree. he, you know, then he. Very well. <laughs> Very well. Um, <laughs> Thank well, you guys. There's a lot of source material left in the book for season two, which yes. it has just been renewed. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm very mm-hmm. excited to see what they do with the rest of the book. And um, I hope we can have like the same conversation after season two comes out. Yes. Can we have you back after season two? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Right, I'm right. so excited. I don't know what they're doing actually. I don't know like where the story's going. I think, I mean, it really did change a lot. Um, at least the second half of the season. Like I think the first, the first couple episodes stay closer to the book, but then the, mm-hmm. the rest of the season really goes in a different direction. And mm-hmm. especially kind of like the, reveals that they set up at the very end Mm -hmm. no spoilers if you haven't watched but um I will be really interested and excited to see where they take it in season two we will definitely have you back and thank you so much for doing this we were so excited about this and loved talking to you and and getting your insight and just again just phenomenal phenomenal job on this book which is excellent 
thank you guys yeah. so much and yeah. just for the support. And um, I watched your podcast with Megan too, which was really, or maybe it wasn't a podcast. It was an Instagram oh, live, but yeah. it was yeah. so interesting. And no, you're, you know, you should be like a consultant for the show. I told him that. I'm like, I would do that so fast. I love that <laughs> stuff. I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, thank you so much. And Kirsten, thank you for oh, coming no. in. I could have kept talking for I another. Know. I know. I could this talk to you guys great. all day. Thank you, Kirsten, too, for, um, I guess you brought the book to Dr. Z, right? No, or no, opposite. other way. For the first time opposite. ever. Yeah. Opposite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we will definitely have you back. And um, Kirsten, thank you again. You got it. All right. Have a good day. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Have a good one.